Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome back to the show. Today, we are speaking with an author and speaker, Neil Elliott. Neil is here to share the premise of his book, A Higher Road, and how it came to be. This is a seven-step process to inner peace, love, joy, prosperity, and abundance. And during this process, he shares so much in this episode today about the relationship of our ego and our soul and how true ascension begins when we gain control of our soul. Neil shares his story as he moved from planning his suicide, writing his letter, to having a very, such such a profound spiritual awakening, writing and releasing his book, and now sharing his message with the world. A lot can change in a relatively short period of time when we stay open and commit to doing the work and receiving the message that are messages that are meant for us. Neil shares the lessons of suffering and how we all experience these lessons, and this is where our gifts are. And this is the information that we are meant to tap into and share with the world. And life is such a journey as he shares so much of his story with us today. And it always starts from within. We spend so much time looking out, outward, externally for the answers, and it starts from inside. This is such a powerful, powerful episode that I love dearly. I'm so grateful to share this conversation with you. Welcome to the show today, Neil. I am so thrilled to have you here. Well, thanks, Marcia. It's a pleasure to be here. So we have two Canadians on the screen, which doesn't always happen. I actually end up with people from all over the world. So I'm excited that it's with another Canadian. Can you share with everyone where you are from? Yeah, just south of Vancouver, British Columbia. I was actually born in Vancouver and um, lived across Canada. Uh, traveled the world, but and I'm back to kind of very close to my childhood home boat. I was going to say 10 miles away because I'm so used to doing U.S. podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? You spent many years as a professional, like as an engineer, right? That was yes. your that was your um, education and experience. Can you just share with everyone what kind of engineering you did or what led you in that path? Uh, you know, interestingly enough, um, okay, it's a bigger story, but you know, I'll, I'll do something short here. Um, uh, my dad, I'm the youngest of six and my dad died when I was five. So this, I was born in 1960. So my dad died when I was five. My mom had to go out and get a job right away because there was no life insurance. And, uh, she had six kids to feed and look after. Um, she had a, uh, called a home economics degree back then and did yep. one year of teaching before kids. So she got a job uh, in education, uh, teaching. And uh, in 
1973, so I just turned 13, just finished grade seven, about to enter grade eight. And my mom married a rancher from northern BC, and uh, we moved to the middle of nowhere. Uh, 500 head of cattle, 130 head of horses, um, outhouse, kerosene lamps, no electricity, water in a well, that kind of stuff. And yeah, from, you know, all the things we know, like toilet, running water and toilets, indoor toilets and electricity, all those things we took for granted, even the 60s, um, you know, just to nothing. And um, I took correspondence from grade eight to half a grade 11. And I couldn't do the math on my own. So finally, my mom conceded, I moved back to my childhood home, which she still owned. And I lived by myself and I completed grade 11 and 12. And, um, and I had rules because I was used to having to clean the house. So if people came over, they had to take their shoes off at the door and uh, they had to clean up and take their beer bottles with them when they finished. And, you know, like I had rules around stuff. So, uh, and if you didn't obey the rules, you didn't come back. So, um, cause I didn't want to clean up after people. So, um, anyway. I bummed around after I finished grade 12. I didn't want to go to school again. And uh, anyway, it ended up, my uncle was a mechanical engineer and he worked for Rogers and he, Rogers Sugar. And so he was in California, he lived in Hawaii for a number of years. And so I just, one day I thought, okay, well, I, I should get something. I couldn't find anything. I started driving truck, but I couldn't find anything that I really wanted to do that uh, inspired me. Uh, so I just decided I'd take engineering. So I applied and I went to school and took five years of engineering. That's not so, a typical program that most people just decide to do. It's not an easy program, right? We're just talking <laughs> about this. <laughs> it's, wow. um, you got to put some effort in, that's for sure. <laughs> mm, absolutely. So you then spent 30 years in the profession? Over, over 30 years, over yes. 30. Yeah. Okay. And, um, what changed in that time? What what shifted for you to leave the profession? Because we're going to be talking about, which I love, this spiritual awakening. I love the topic. I love to share and learn more about it. Where was the transition for you? Uh, again, a little bit longer story. And I haven't, I'm still a professional engineer. I still pay my dues, and but I'm not doing that work at the moment. Yeah. Um, what happened was uh, in the 90s, so I'm in my 30s, mm-hmm. and I was doing engineering, um, and then I progressed to a project manager of projects in that, in that field. So we're talking, we're not talking small projects, we're talking, well, they are small, relatively small compared to the numbers we talk about today, but, you know, whatever, a few hundred thousand to a hundred million dollars. And uh, today, those numbers would be like, you know, whatever, a billion dollars. Yeah. Uh, but... I, because now all of a sudden there's this engineers think in a particular way, you know, we measure, we calculate, um, we observe, <laughs> we have results. Yeah. We're very, you know, we process oriented, we're methodical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, all of a sudden I had these teams with, uh, you know, uh, first nations, uh, you know, relations, community relations, all these other environment, all these other things. And these sets of people had different framework in terms of how they thought. And there was a difference in, um, you know, the language they used and what they thought was right, what would drive them to do something. So in the nineties, I thought, okay, I need to be more inclusive and more understanding. So I picked up some spiritual books. I picked up, uh, you know, self-help books. I took some courses 
to expand how I thought and be more inclusive. Mm-hmm. Now, so outwardly, I was much more inclusive and I could really understand how people do things the way they do. So, um, you know, you could coordinate a project and still make it kind of uh, come together in this finely tuned process to get the result that you're after. Uh, but fundamentally, I never changed how I was. We all do this, right? We, we grow up, we program our subconscious mind, we uh, adopt these patterns of thinking and feeling, and uh, we reinforce that as we grow older. Uh, we get more experiences, we add to that, but we essentially keep reinforcing these patterns of thinking and feeling. So I knew what I was, what was right and wrong and good and bad and true and false. And these other people had different ideas and opinions, which I could accept, but I knew deep down that, you know, that wasn't really right, but okay, fine. <laughs> um, that's the way we have to navigate the world. Exactly. Uh, in uh, 2002, I went from, you know, being an employee to being a consultant and life became about work. Uh, so you don't work, you don't get paid, you're sick, you don't get paid, you take vacation, you don't get paid. So for me, it was work, work, work. And the other thing is you need to make sure your clients are always taken care of always looked after and you always deliver. Otherwise you don't get repeat work. Mm -hmm. So it became for me very stressful, but I did it. And from 2002 to 2015, I slowly drove myself into this really deep and dark, despondent depression. And in, um, we're all great actors in our own environment. We wear this facade. We can project whatever we want to whomever we're speaking to be it family, client or friend. So no one knew I was there. But um, I was really, I was kind of done with it. And I was, so I picked up some in 2015, I picked up some newly issued spiritual books. I picked up some science books and I thought I need to do something to get out of this pattern of thinking. It didn't work. And I just kind of slowly got worse and worse. In 2017, November, 2017, our house had been on the market for five years. It finally sold. My wife jumped on a plane to go to Toronto, Ontario, Canada to visit family and friends. And um, we were in this little one bedroom rental apartment. I sat down at this little kitchen table and I crafted out my suicide note and I planned my suicide. And I was planning it out for about three months so that, um, you know, I could make sure my wife would be okay, get rid of all the crap we accumulate over a lifetime that no one needs to deal with after you pass away. And um, about a week prior to that, uh, some information arrived in this really fortuitous fashion for me that promised to liberate me from my thinking if I studied and I followed it. And so I was looking for any, you know, kind of little sliver of hope to keep going. And being, you know, being the engineer, I, I thought, okay, well, I'll push out the date of the suicide. I'll study this. If it doesn't work, I can always pull the trigger. And uh, so I thought, okay, well, I'll get on it and I'll study it. So I took it up and I started to study it. And a year later, like November 2018, I woke up and my depression was totally gone. And it was full of this inner peace and love. And I felt totally prosperous and abundant, even though nothing had changed in my environment. And... um, about a month after that, so end of December 2018, I went into these two meditations, two days apart, and I uh, got into this meditation, and you go through these increased uh, vibrational frequency of consciousness as you go into these meditations. And I went into this meditation, and all of a sudden, the spiritual energy 
flowed in through my head. It filled my entire body. And then all of a sudden, it just totally enveloped me and cradled me in, in unconditional love. And it was, and it's, and it's an unconditional love. Like we don't have the human language to actually describe it, but it is, it was so beautiful and it was so peaceful. And I felt totally supported and I didn't care what aches and pains my body had, what illnesses it had. I didn't care what anybody had done to me in the past, what I had done to anybody. I just, I wanted to stay there forever. And unfortunately, or fortunately, however you look at it, I came out of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then two days later, I had the exact same meditation. And at that point, I knew that the new knowledge I gained and the process that I followed is our truth. And um, so I've just, I've stayed with that um, since 2018. And, and I can tell you, it just keeps getting better and better and better. And um, it took me a couple of years. I wanted to, you know, get on the rooftops at the time and shout it to everybody. Like everybody's got to, you know, follow this process and, you know, whether they take it up or not is entirely up to them. Everybody has free will, but, you know, at least open yourself up to it and read it and understand it and study it. And I can tell you, you can totally transform your life no matter where you are. And I thought, okay, well, I'll be looked at like an idiot if I do that. So on, you know, off the rooftop, so I won't do that. <laughs> so um, it took me a couple of years to figure out the best way to do it is to write a book. So I, uh, a couple of years later, I, I spent a year, I wrote the book, edited it, and uh, finally, you know, published it in uh, September, 2021. Oh, and just it, this past year. Okay. So about a year, so this, a year ago. About a year ago. Yeah. And um, yeah, September 14th, tomorrow it'll be a year. <laughs> so, um, you know, and what I do is in the book, I, I structured the book in five parts to the first part is a memoir of, or the first part is what you're going to learn, like an overview of the book. The second part is a really candid memoir of my life. Um, and I, and I felt it was important to do it in a candid way because unbeknownst to people, you know, we do this ignorantly, unknowingly and unwittingly because we don't understand the laws of the universe, but unbeknownst to people, you create every event and every experience that comes into your life, full stop. And when you understand the mechanics of the universe and how, what happened, you know, what was before the big bang, what happened at the time of the big bang, the impetus for the big bang, and then how this material universe came about. And you understand the laws of, uh, um, you know, uh, the laws that we use through our thinking and our feeling to create every event and every experience that comes in your life. When you can understand that through going through and under, again, gaining this new knowledge, you can make a choice for yourself, whether you want to carry on with the way you're currently living and experiencing life the way you do, or you can totally come back to your truth and get on this path to totally transform your life into this absolute, incredible place of, of inner peace and security and love and joy. And when you do, eventually what you want to do is you just, you want to share it with everybody. You can't, you know, it's almost like you can't help yourself. You don't, you know, you don't wrestle people to the ground and push your beliefs onto them. But if somebody's open and willing and wants to understand, then you share. 
And if they don't, then you hold your peace. You know, it's not your purview to put your beliefs onto anybody else. They have to come to this whenever they are ready and whatever path they decide to take. Yes. And when this, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, right? Like it's very much that you can't force that on someone else. But I do deep down believe that when you are in a space of having found a solution that works for you, having found a way through a difficult time, that there comes a point where those lessons are, they're no longer for you, actually, they're actually for you to do something with them. And to me, that's essentially what you did. And I i mean, thank you, first off, for sharing everything that you did in such a beautiful, candid way. And as, as if somebody is listening right now, which I know that they are, but if somebody is listening right now and they hear you share how in 2017, you go from a space of writing a suicide note, feeling like we're in this space of this is the direction that you're going and you've just decided to, you know, less than four years later, you've actually written a book, you're sharing all of those pieces and they might be here. And you're saying that like, we are creating our life. We're creating these experiences. So I know for sure that's going to trigger somebody, right? Like, cause, because, because sometimes we sit in that space of life is happening to me. Like this is just all happening to me and it's not fair. So I have to believe you made that leap in thinking. And I would love to know if, if that hits for you, was it the meditation process? What was some of the things that helped you to shift to recognize that, wait, this is actually happening for me? Uh, so first, let me say that, you know, I got to this point that no matter what I did, no matter how much money I made, no matter how much money I spent, and my wife and I go on vacations, she's originally from Germany, we go on vacations, we'd visit family and friends in Europe, uh, you know, we travel Europe, and I love European architecture and the museums. And, you know, when I, we were on those vacations, I love driving in Germany, mm-hmm. you know, like, the Autobahn with no speed limit is just, you know, fantastic. Anyway, um, side story. Uh, <laughs> I love those things. But, you know, when I got back here, then life hit. And I was just, you know, I was done with it. I just thought, why would I want to spend another minute, let alone 5, 10, 20, 30 years in this misery? Because life had no meaning to me in terms of other than just being miserable. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to, you know, kind of be done with it. And that, that's when I sat down to craft that suicide note and plan out my suicide. So <clears throat> now to get back to your other question. So, you know, as, so what happens is that, you know, uh, at the time of conception, the little eye mind is created and the soul infuses its past life uh, history and lessons into this process. And we're here on this, you know, you will come to understand if you follow these seven steps, you complete all these seven steps, you will come to understand the evolution of a soul. We come here many times in varying genders, varying places of origin, varying cultures, sometimes religious, sometimes not religious at all, um, different colors of skin, different places of origin. And we come here to learn specific lessons that our soul wants to learn in this evolutionary process to come back to its truth and its truth is unconditional love 
And when you understand these processes and then how to actually, um, and I'll talk a little bit about this for a moment, but when you learn that, you know, your goal is to remove these bondages of the ego that you have actually placed on the ego to be able to, or excuse me, to remove the bondages of the ego that you have bound down your soul and to allow your soul to gain mastery of your life again and express itself, then you become this embodiment of unconditional love. You become this beacon of light. And this is when you get to the point when, you know, you're wanting to share the things that you have learned to help other people to wake up so that they can get on this path, whatever path they take, but they can get on this path. And the more and more people that, that, become this embodiment of light and sharing unconditional love to everyone and everything in your environment. Um, then, you know, eventually what we'll do is we will create a new era of love and peace in the world. Mm -hmm. And that is my goal is to help people wake up to understand the truth of who they are and to um, come back to their truth so that we can create this new era of love and peace around the world. And so you know, as you, when we're born as the baby, so, you know, from babyhood to about age five, the brain hasn't developed to make its own decisions yet. Mm -hmm. And so really what it is, is it's this little sponge, this in uh, little sponge, this embodiment of joy that is just absorbing everything in its environment. So it's family's type of language it used, not, you know, English, Italian, sure. But mm -hmm. no, I mean, the kind of language is it uh, vengeful and hateful and denigrating and judgmental, or is it loving and kind and supportive? And so, um, you know, you pick up on the baby picks up on all the emotions that's around it, the language that's around it, the actions, everything, the culture, the religions. And so it's starting to shape and hone and hue its personality as it's growing up. The ego is starting to take control. And at age five, the, the child can start to discern and make decisions for itself. And then it ends up going to school and getting other experiences. And it's um, adopting new learnings and new things which are consistent with things that it's already learned and that it came in with and that it got shaped and honed in this period of up to age five. And it's reinforcing um, these patterns of thinking and feeling that, and really what we're doing is we are programming our subconscious mind. And um, we still think consciously with the ego and we make decisions, but we're programming our subconscious mind. We reinforce the programming, the patterns of thinking and feeling as we grow from babyhood to adulthood. We think we're becoming versed in the ways of the world, but what we're really doing is binding down our soul and shutting it off from the light. And so when you understand how these patterns of thinking and feeling and the kinds of thing that that creates these bondages around the soul and shuts it off, you can make this choice to start to undo these things. And um, when you do that and your soul starts to uh, begin to gain mastery of your life again, then it's this ever evolving ascending process. So there's two processes here. There's one is this first initial awakening and people can be spiritually awakened, but not necessarily on a path of ascension. And ascension is really taking these bondages off and coming back to, to listening to your higher self or your spirit, whatever you want to call it, um, uh, to enable you to connect 
back to source and allow source to start to express itself through you. And source is unconditional love. And um, so ascension is really this remembering, like you you are remembering where you came from and you're learning these things. We feel like we're learning these things and we're unwrapping and we're unraveling these things. So first we have to allow our soul to start to gain mastery over the ego. And then we need to let that blossom as we go through the, continue to go through this process to let it gain mastery of our life. And by doing that, you're opening yourself up to be this open and purified channel of the divine to express itself through you. And you become this embodiment of unconditional love. So now people are going to go, well, you know, what are you talking about? Yeah. So <laughs> let me I love this talk. So it's, you've got me. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. But yes, there will be people going, huh? What do I do with that? Yeah. So, yeah. um, so, and I will get to what we do with that. So um, I'll give you two analogies. So we're like, method actors you know our ego is the method actor so we're um you know we we method actor they they dress the part they eat the part they speak the part months you know weeks or months before they go on film on set right because they really want to get into character so then they get they do this training then they get on set the the director calls action and um the uh, characters are right into it or the actors are right into it. They've, they've developed this character. They, they do their scene. The director calls cut. They come out of their, um, you know, character. They high five each other and they go, Oh, great thing. You know, you did a great job when you were doing that. I felt like I was really there in that period piece. And so our ego is like this character and we never realize that our reality is our soul and our ego is just this tool. The ego is merely a tool of the divine to create individuality out of the wholeness and the unity of the divine to allow us to learn, our souls to learn these lessons that it wants to learn over many lifetimes. And so the ego can only use the mechanics of materialized form, which is electromagnetism. So you think about, you know, the ego, you think with electrical impulses in the brain, you feel with magnetic impulses in the nervous system. Your thinking is a, an electrical movement, a consciousness plan, and your feeling, be it a loving feeling or a hateful, vengeful feeling, is a, a force of uh, magnetism that creates an electromagnetic force over this consciousness plan to create this blueprint that will eventually, as you reinforce that magnetism with a feeling of think, repeated thinking and feeling over, you know, a number of months or a number of years or 50 years, you will eventually magnetize this like event or like experience into your uh, experience. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> what you need to do is you need to come to this point to um, understand that, you know, these mechanics that we use, that there's things we know in science today that you'll be able to understand when you read, read the book and follow the seven steps. But there's things we know in science today that will bridge this gap between spirituality and science. And when you take this process and you bridge this gap, you're going to understand how we use these tools, how our ego uses these tools to bring us these lessons to wake us up 
to experience the things that we want to experience to eventually wake us up. And for a lot of people, it's typically, you know, it's only through lessons of suffering will the journeying soul gain self-knowledge to retain individuality after discarding the ego. When you go through a lifetime and you finally undone all of these bondages of the ego and you're this pure, open and purified channel <clears throat> and this expression of, of the divine, unconditional love, when your body dies in that lifetime and returns to dust, the soul steps into the light and it will not need to be reincarnated again. And this is coming back to your truth. Okay, wow. I'm like completely blown away right now. And I, I, I am loving what I'm hearing and <laughs> it's hitting because um, when we talk about lessons of suffering, and that is a big thing that hits for me in the sense that that's where we can get stuck in this, like this victim mentality that this isn't fair. But I had somebody over the last couple of years really help me to see that you, you, you have to walk through these lessons so that you can understand what you're here to learn. Like you have to walk through these experiences, even though they're so freaking hard sometimes. But that's how you're able to share that because you you've walked it, right? You've lived it. Yeah, exactly. And so they're really gifts. It's just that we don't when we're in that state, we don't understand. And the and one of the reasons we don't understand, and this is why I want to, you know, why I wrote the book, is that we program in our subconscious mind these patterns of thinking and feeling. So I used to think that everything I thought was in my brain. And it was something that I had learned or experienced, those kinds of things. And then I um, read a book on epigenetics and understood that, okay, what I think and what I feel can affect my biology. Mm -hmm. So, and then I read a, a book on um, neuroplasticity about how you can rewire the brain, how you can grow new brain cells, and that how people that have experienced some pretty traumatic brain injuries can actually write themselves with the right processes. But so I, <clears throat> I began to understand that, um, you know, I, I see consciousness now as this consciousness is not only in our brain, but it's in our entire bodies. Indeed, it is all around us. Mm -hmm. And um, I used to think of it, everything I thought was in my brain, but I came to realize that really, it's, it's this stream that goes by my awareness. I pick a thought out of that stream. All of us do this. We pick a thought out in a nanosecond. We analyze it. If it's consistent with our patterns of thinking and feeling, we keep it. If it's inconsistent, we throw it back in the stream. And that consistency of patterns and things might be, I might be, you know, kind of an angry, vengeful, hateful, denigrating person. So I pick a thought out. Oh, it's consistent with that. I keep it. If it's a loving, kind thought, I go, oh, no, that's not that's the way I think. And boom, back it goes in the stream or vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so then I began to understand that, oh, wait a minute, um, through another book I read was everything that I think as right or wrong, good or bad, true or false is really just a belief. And so if it's really just a belief, that means that if I'm doing things with my thinking and feeling that are creating these events and experiences that rebound in my life that I don't like, that means if I have the tools, if I understand the process and I have the tools to break up these patterns of thinking and feeling that I've uh, embedded in my subconscious and unconscious mind, then I can change my beliefs. But then the next question is, well, what do I change them to? 
So then what you need to know is that what you're going to do is you're going to go through this process to cleanse your current belief system and cleanse your consciousness and you're going to rebuild it to be consistent with where we come from and to where we return, which is unconditional love. And when you rebuild your, your, when you break up these, see these patterns of thinking and feeling your subconscious mind are like concrete. You need to break them up to dissolve them. And so willpower alone won't do it. Mm-mm. So you go through this process and you um, start to break these up and it happens slowly and it happens imperceptibly. But if you carry with it, with the faith that it's going to work and that you focus on learning the new knowledge and following the process, then you'll start to get this spiritual energy that helps you through this process of inner cleansing and rebuilding. And then one day you'll wake up and your entire belief system would be entirely changed. Nothing changes in your external environment, but how you see the world changes. And I'll give you an example of that. During this pandemic, just down the street from us, um, there's a, a building it's two stories high and these these large steps that go up to the second building a second floor that's how you get in and out of the buildings from the second floor uh two women uh that i know were walking down the street no one else on the street because it's in the pandemic walking down the street having this chat this elderly woman came out of the second floor and she's gesticulating wildly and she's angry and she stares down at them and she points at them and says stare all you want stare if you will i don't care she was like really angry angry this one woman that was <clears throat> down at the base of the stairs she said oh this person's dangerous i have to phone the police so she pulled out her phone she stepped back and she dialed 911 the second woman thought i wonder if this woman's okay i wonder if she needs help so she reached out she said are you okay do you need help and as soon as the woman up top heard that she calmed right down and explained her story the only difference in that experience is the patterns of thinking and feeling that these people have grown up and reinforced over a lifetime. You change your beliefs. Your, what you see is merely a reflection of your beliefs. You change your beliefs, you will change what you see. What you experience will entirely change. Someone comes to you and they're... So previously you know, 10 years ago, someone come to me and they'd be angry and they'd be yelling at me. I'd be defending myself. I would be engaged in that argument. Today, someone could come to me. Now, spouses are different. Spouses are this special thing that know all the buttons to push. So, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, and spouses are great because everything that comes to you that your ego jumps in and um, takes control of that conversation It's an opportunity for you to transmute that, learn from it and change it and and be this expression of unconditional love. These are all lessons that you need to learn. So you begin to understand when your ego jumps in and you go and you look at that differently, you go, oh, my ego's just jumped in and I'm defending myself or I'm doing this. And okay, well, that's interesting because I know intellectually this is different and I know reality. And if it was a third party person, I wouldn't act like that. So this gives me an opportunity to learn and to heal that. And if I heal myself, I heal the other person. So um, about a year ago, someone came to me or I had this conversation with someone out on the street, someone I know, and um, they were just so angry with me for whatever reason. We don't have to get into the details, but they were so angry with me. And it just, it, 
I, like it had no phase on me. I just, I just thought I am, you know, like I just felt love for this person because I know that this is just things that they need to create to create these rebound forms that come back to them to teach them the lessons that they need to learn. So it, so that doesn't, didn't even phase me. I just, to me, that was like, oh, you know, how can I help this person? How can I heal this person? And you don't heal necessarily with, you know, let me place your hands on your head and heal you. It's more of everything that you think and everything that you feel. Um, thoughts are like sound waves. So sound waves can penetrate walls and buildings and they have their own special note and tone and vibrational frequency. Your thinking is the same thing. Telepathically, it uh, penetrates walls, it penetrates other people, it enters other people's minds, it enters into their, their your feelings enter into their heart, and uh, you will imperceptibly and um, unknowingly to them um, start to help them heal and wake up. So the more you become this embodiment of unconditional love, this light spreads through your thinking and feeling and also in the words and the actions you take. You get all of this into alignment. You're on this path to come back to the, to be this open and purified channel of unconditional love. This is absolutely beautiful. Seriously. Thank you for, I could go on and on and on, by the way. No, you're you're amazing. I want to say I'm just loving, I am just sitting here listening. I'm like, Right, Marcia, it's an interview. You have to still pay attention because I was just like soaking it in. It's so good. Um, there's so many different things that you've said that have really hit for me in the sense that, you know, we know when we cross somebody who is angry, is in this, like we we can sense that energy, we can feel it. And there comes a time as you start to do and really dive into this work that your reaction to them changes. Like the same as you, you know, even six, seven years ago, I definitely could feel that I would react to somebody in a very different way than I do now. And through a lot of support counseling, like my own growth journey, one of the things that um, a counselor said to me that has always stuck with me is that you have the opportunity to throw gas or sand on every single argument that you're invited to, right? You have an opportunity. So if a person comes at you is in a very um, defensive, angry state, then you can decide if you're going to throw gas or sand on that argument. And if you choose to always throw gas you will understand eventually that you're only hurting yourself. You're not changing that person. You're not changing the scenario. When you learn how to throw sand, when you learn how to like master your own reaction and emotions, you will recognize that you're saving yourself. And when you're doing that, like that is allowing you to carry this forward because when you're carrying something, that anger, that resentment, like we all know, right? Like if you, if anybody's listening if you can think back to something that made you angry this morning or yesterday or five days ago, and you could still fume about it, you're carrying those emotions and you're like, that's affecting you and it's blocking you from doing the work that you're meant to do, living the life you're meant to live. So even when I say the words mastering emotions, I'm finishing my NLP masters right now. And I'm loving this experience has been very good for me. The kind of work I actually didn't know I needed. It was actually, it came into my life at the right time. 
And because again, as I shared before, a little bit background of always being a science and math major, it it was interesting. It's like, I don't need more strategy. I need to learn how to, like how to allow, how to receive, how to not fight the patterns of everything that's there. But that's what's hitting for me as you're saying this is like recognizing like how can we be our best version of ourselves? Because just like we can feel someone else's energy coming into our space that is full of anger, resentment, all of those things, we can be that effect on someone else too, good, good or bad. And so when we're in this space of really allowing and recognizing that, you know, how we continue to show up, we can have an impact without trying to have an impact. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, um, and I just, I'd like to be clear for the listeners that, you know, wherever you are uh, is the right place for you. <laughs> so don't compare yourself with other people. Yep. Um, you know, everybody's here on their own individual journey. However, um, know that if you are always trying to use your willpower, you know, you can use your willpower, like positive thinking came out in the nineties, mm-hmm. my memory. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people that took that up. The, the, the difficulty is if you're just always trying to do that with your willpower to have this positive thinking, but you never break up and dissolve these patterns of thinking and feeling that you've embedded in your subconscious mind, which is an ego controlled uh, mechanism, your ego will always win. And so imagine now that, you know, um, your this body is like a, a is like a self-driving car. So you're born with this body, you're, you're renting this body or leasing this body for, for a, um, for a lifetime. You live in this duality. Your soul is your reality. Your ego is this tool. And um, as you grow from babyhood to adulthood, what you're doing is you are programming this self-driving car with these patterns of thinking and feeling. Your ego's in the driver's seat. Your soul's bound down in the passenger seat because you've wrapped it all up and tied it up. And um, your ego's in control. Now, you're driving down the road and the car is going to go left because it's, you know, you've programmed it to go left because you're taking the best route. Your ego still can make a conscious choice of, no, I'm going to go straight or I'm going to go right. But left to its own devices, you know, you've probably had this experience, others will have, where you've driven to where you got up, you got in your car, you drove to work, you got to work and you went, I have no idea how I got there. I don't remember yeah. that at all. That's all your subconscious programming. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, so you're in this process where your ego is doing this, your soul's bound down and can't do anything. But as you go through this process, what you're doing is you're taking these bondages off and you're letting your soul to start to influence where the ego is doing. Eventually what you want to do is you want to get your soul in the driver's seat, your ego in the passenger seat, and you, then your soul can start to also reprogram the, the self-driving car and get at this subconscious programming. So now you reprogram the subconscious mind, your soul's in control, but as you're going through this process, your ego will still jump in and still take control when your soul is kind of like, and you're going through this process of reprogramming, your soul is kind of like having a good time, maybe not consciously thinking in the moment, and uh, somebody comes in and says something 
a road rage driver and your ego has control all of a sudden and now you're in this battle but as you go through this process then you finally your soul wakes up and goes oh wait a minute that's my ego doing that um i need to be different in this moment and that takes some mastery to do that mm-hmm. especially with spouses spouses are so good they are such a great opportunity for you to learn all of the things that you still need to learn I, I call them great mirrors, right? Or I mean, they are, they are like the best mirrors. There are times I say things and I'm like, Ooh, that's not my best self. That is actually not my best <laughs> self right now. And, or vice versa. And vice versa. My husband will say something. He's like, and he'll look at me. And I'm like, do you want to start that sentence again? Cause that's not going to work. Like that's not the way that it works. And he's like, yeah, nope, nope. I got it. But that's been years, right? That takes years of, of work. And a sense of humor. I swear we need a sense of humor when we're doing this work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You need, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, so we come from unconditional love and we come from, you know, peace and safety and security and humor and laughter and fun. Mm-hmm. And this is what you're meant to do while you're here. Mm. Wow. Okay. So but never, <laughs> ever negatively impact anybody else. So this is the thing is that, you know, you've, you ex- need to accept people the way they are because they're just going through this process. I want that message to land even like extra hard right now for somebody is the sense that like we aren't here to change others. We aren't here to fix others. We aren't here to make others do it a certain way. I deep, deep rooted wholeheartedly believe it took me years to, to really believe this we are here to lead ourselves and be our best vision, like best version of ourselves. We give others permission to do that at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you're here to heal yourself and then through healing yourself, you heal others. Yep. And and by healing, I mean, coming back to your truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting because I know I spent years in this space of, you know, anger and blame and frustration. Like, why is this my life? Why am I here to do like, why is it so hard? And, and, and I'm just being real. That was definitely like, that was a pattern that played. I even used to make the joke um, that I obviously got on the wrong bus. Like I got on the wrong, I, I did. I said those things and literally everything that kept happening was just reinforcement. Yep. Yep. See, we got on the wrong bus. This is how hard it is. And over time, like now when something happens, I can look at it and it's like, okay, what is this doing for me? What am I here to learn? What is this? Like just in, in even in the context of asking different questions opens up my subconscious to look at the exact same situation differently. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, but for, you know, for the key thing there is you need to be open. So on that, so I'll just finish because I started this. So first part of my book is overview. Second part's this memoir. Third part is a chapter on consciousness, which will give the reader a new concept of consciousness, perhaps a new concept of consciousness for them, but essentially gets everybody to the same part uh, before they enter part four. Part four, I unveil new truths. And then part five is my experience as I navigated these seven steps mm-hmm. and it's an ongoing process. And it's, uh, you know, it's a process that takes some time and dedication and, and uh, perseverance, if you will. And so your question earlier was, 
you know, was it, is meditation a key part of this or was that part of this? And so first, you know, you need to be in a state. So to accept these truths that I share with people, um, I've done what I can to get them. And I, and this is the exact process I followed. So, um, I share some of the science material that I followed that I used and it's, and I do the science in a way which everybody will understand. You read these books, you'll understand them. You don't need to be a scientist, but you'll understand the concepts and you understand that what's being talked about is known in science today. And um, then I introduce people to uh, somebody who had a near-death experience that will give them a new concept of consciousness. And my goal is to open people up and get them, you know, kind of as best I can get them to a state of being like a little child full of curiosity and wonder, because this, these truths I share with you in part four in this other information you need to come to this with an open mind. You need to come to this to be ready to receive and um, explore it and then make a decision for yourself. Mm-hmm. So I encourage you not to have any doubts or negativity associated with this. So you just, you read the whole thing and then you decide for yourself when you're finished all seven steps, whether it makes sense to you or not. But so part four is I unveil these truths. I introduce people to this new information that I received and I provide all of, I explain in my book how you can get this information for free after you've completed my book, read it cover to cover and make a decision for yourself. Uh, part five of my book is my experience. I go through these, these, uh, seven steps and all of this is designed to get you to a point to understand, to open you up to understand what these some of these concepts and new truths are to hopefully pique your curiosity so that after you read the fifth part of the book the final part you can see uh some of the rewards that you're going to get and i can tell you i've only touched on a few of them but you can see some of the rewards that you're going to get and after you've read a higher road cover to cover make a decision for yourself if it resonates with you go back and start with some of the science material or start directly with step one if it doesn't resonate with you, that's okay. If you bought a hard copy of the book, put it on your shelf to reread in 5, 10, 15 years, or pass it on to somebody else without colorful commentary, because you can never accurately judge the inner reality of another person. Someone who's really kind and affable might be an entire misery inside. You just do not know. And so this book may be the biggest gift that you give anybody, because I can tell you if you follow all seven steps and you stay with it, you will change your life. And so on, on the meditation piece, yes, you will learn a meditation <laughs> later on in the process. And the reason is because you need to gain some new knowledge first, because you have to understand your target and you have to understand how and why the universe came about and these mechanics of the universe that we use. Then you'll learn this meditation where you enter into the silence and the stillness of your mind. And the reason you need to do that is because before the Big Bang, um, the basic energy of the universe was locked in this mutual embrace, this equilibrium that is in silence and stillness. And these are opposing impulses in silence and stillness. And in order to make this connection with Source, you need to enter into that silence and stillness through going through this process of um, 
slowly building new brain cells impressed with new knowledge at the top of your head underneath your skull that operated this higher vibrational frequency going into the silence and stillness of your mind and our source is um, so spiritually refined and such a high frequency of vibration that it cannot enter into into us and make itself known to us until you start to reach out and uh, through this process of raising your vibrational frequency so that it can start to make itself known to you. And when you do, you'll start to feel a little tingling at the top of your head. This is what I did. So at seven months, I felt this little tingling. It was about the size of a dime. At about nine months, it might have been three, four inches in diameter. Today, you could put a bowl over my head. It's below my ears. And that's how big that opening is. And the spiritual energy started to flow into me. And then it would go down one side of my body and up the other side of my body. And then it might fill my head or my chest or my solar plexus, or it would move around. Today, that energy, you know, I can direct that energy to where it goes. But, you know, um, I let it do its work in me because it knows the place where I need the um, cleansing and the healing and the rebuilding. And um, you don't need to work to heal your body or make your lives better what you need to do is heal your beliefs when you heal your beliefs then everything starts to come back into alignment in your body and your health will return and all of those things you know your your all these illnesses and and negativity that you have they'll dissolve like a mist in the sun and um you just have to go through you need to understand this stuff and then go through the process and i can tell you your life will entirely change It'll just, it becomes magical. And nothing that's going on in the world will bother you anymore because you know it's all designed to do this. Wow. Wow. Your um, your book is called A Higher Road for somebody who is, I'll make sure everything is in the show notes, but A Higher Road. So it, yeah, so the title is A Higher Road. Mm-hmm. Subtitle is Cleanse Your Consciousness to Transcend the Ego and Ascend Spiritually, A Seven-Step Process to Inner Peace, Joy, Love, Abundance, and Prosperity by D. Neil Elliott. And, um, uh, you know, it's available wherever books are sold. Uh, it's in print. It's in ebook form, Kindle, Apple, Nook, Kobo. It's available around the world. And you can learn more at ahigherroad.com. Beautiful. Thank you for that. I'll make sure everything is in the show notes. I have to ask you, if you look at where you are today, do you, can, can the 2017 version of you imagine you at this point and where no. you are today yeah no like not even fathomable fathomable right no no not even nowhere near <laughs> and i just i think that that's important i'm not trying i want i want people to see like you can create something that you can't even fathom today because you're trying to apply your thinking as of today to think where can it be but I just wanted to, to I want to ask you that question is like, can you imagine that in four years, like five years, like look at where you are in comparison? Yeah, no, it's um, it's indescribable. Well, I can describe it because I've been through it, but it's it was unfathomable back then. And I can tell you that the human imagination can only project uh, what it's what it's known, you know, from experience and in the past. So you continue to project your past into the future, 
to, you know, come and burden and wound you. And if you, you know, you want to undo that and you want to change that, you need to change your beliefs. And if you want to change your beliefs, you need this process to break up and dissolve these patterns of uh, thinking and feeling in the subconscious and unconscious mind. And you need to change them into uh, this, this set of, of beliefs and understanding which is consistent with where we come from and to where we return. And when you do that, I can tell you, your life changes. Mm-hmm. See the yeah. world entirely differently. And, and you know, I mean... You're, <laughs> I just honestly, it just blows me away. I love this conversation because this is this in understanding this, one of the things that we just covered in this last week is understanding that like our brain, 95% is technically 95 to 99% comes from our subconscious mind, our thoughts, our beliefs. And so that's all anchored in our past experiences and everything that we have come through. And so we're drastically trying to create change in our life. And how many times are we stuck in the loop of more strategy? I need to to apply this to it. It's like, oh, I don't have the right vision board. I don't have whatever, like whatever these things are, but without making those changes in those limiting beliefs and doing the work consistently because at 52 here, I've had a whole life to build those limiting beliefs. They, they, they didn't just, they didn't just come like I've had built them my whole life. And so it does take work to do it. And it's deciding like, how committed do you want to be to the work? You're committed to doing the work or you're committed to living the life that is less than what you're capable of. Yes. I would agree with all that you've said. If you're currently happy with your life, and Great. whatever misery you're creating for yourself, if that's the way you want to live, that's entirely, it's a choice. It's not right or wrong. It's not no. good or bad. It's just a choice. But when you understand these things and you understand the tools and then you get the tools and the process. Um, so, I'll, so there's two things I'll say is one is back in 1995, so 35, I thought I would like to take an MBA and I do it part time. And so that means you work all day and then you go to school at night. And it was two years solid, like no break, 12 months a year, two years, 24 months. And I said, and I, I have young kids. And I said to my wife, the second wife at this point, uh, and second wife to the end here, but um, uh, I said to her, you know, I don't know whether I can do this, you know, like go to school, go to work all day and then do this. And, you know, I don't have time for the kids. I don't have time to do all the stuff around here. And she goes, well, you know, she said, how long is it? And I said, two years. And she said, well, okay, so two years from now, you can look back and say you did it or you didn't do it. What do you want to do? And so I signed up that day. (laughs) (laughs) So you read my book cover to cover. You can make a decision for yourself. If it takes a year, it takes two years. You can one or two years from now, you can say I did it. Or you can look back and say, I wish I did it want to change your life this is a path for doing it and um and then the other thing is i share in my book in 2011 i did something every day for a year when you spoke vision board so i had a i had a had a picture on my vision board at the time of this um hardtop convertible lexus it was a sixty thousand dollar car and i thought oh, one day i'll buy this mm-hmm. and um and so I put it up on the vision board thinking, okay, well, I'll put it up there because my wife is always telling me to do a vision board and, you know, you'll, 
be able to create these things. And so I did a vision board. And then I did something every day for a year. And I described that. And unbeknownst to me, um, there's a lottery that I, since a child, I played in. And it's a Pacific National Exhibition lottery to win a house. And they typically had 12 cars. I never paid attention to the cars because I always had nice cars. And um, I wanted to win the house. So I... I always bought tickets every year, you know, online, buy a ticket, you know, and, yeah. and then the hat happens in, in September, the draw. And I uh, forgot all about it, bought a ticket, forgot all about it. And um, a year later, I got a phone call from the PE, and they said, uh, hi, you've won a car. And I said, really? What kind of car? They said, oh, it's a Lexus, blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, what kind of car is that? Like, I didn't even know the model, right? What kind of car is that? And he goes, oh, it's a hardtop convertible. It was the exact car, exact color. And later in my book, I describe exactly the mechanics of the universe that I used unknowingly, unwittingly, and ignorantly that manifested that car. Mm -hmm. And we do this with everything that comes into your life, be it something that you love or merely endure, be it something that you like or hate. Mm -hmm. There's no coincidences. Every accident, every event, every person, every experience you have is you've created it. You want to change it. You just need to understand this stuff and you can totally change it. Mm, thank you for all of that. Congratulations on the car. How incredible is, I think that's wonderful. I love that. I love that story and how you shared. And obviously there's so much more in in your book. And when it comes down to it, again, tying it back to something you said in the beginning, that every experience that's coming into your life, you did create it. And if that is something that triggers you and you're listening to this, just flip it and understand. It just simply means you actually have more power than you think you do. It doesn't mean that you're deserving of bad things happening. It means you actually do have more agency in your life than you think you do. Well said. And, um, and when you understand what causes these things, you can make a, you can make a conscious choice, mm-hmm. continue on or do it differently. Yeah. A hundred percent. Oh, well, this has been honestly such a, a deep, powerful conversation. I've absolutely loved, loved having this conversation with you. I will make sure everything is available in the show notes for people to find you your book. I cannot wait to read it myself because I've just been in this deep dive of so much subconscious work over the last couple of years. And it's, I still laugh when I look at it because again, science girl strategy, figuring things out. Now it's like, Oh, I can actually find ways so that it doesn't have to be as hard. It's actually working with the systems as opposed to fighting and pushing against everything. So I cannot wait to read it. Um, I do have one more question for you. It is what lesson in life are you most grateful for? You know, I'm grateful for there. There's so many, right? But I'm grateful for everything that's happened. Like before I would have regretted all kinds of things. I don't regret anything anymore. Mm -hmm. Everything was designed to bring me to this place of receiving this new information. So the science stuff was to lay this foundation. Uh, The NDE was to, to open me up. And then this new information I received, which totally transformed my life. And I regret nothing because this was all designed to, for this to happen when it happened at the time it happened. Cause right now the world is under this new dispensation of energy to, to create this new era of love and peace 
but we need more people to uh, put it this way. The more people that join in this process, the sooner we'll bring this era into visible reality in our world. And I can tell you that it will be beyond anything you can imagine. There will be no more hunger. Everybody will be well-fed. Everybody will be well-clothed. Everybody will be uplifted in spirit. And, uh, you know, there will no longer be all of this negativity and this division. You know, the division in the future is not going to be between the wealthy and the poor. The division in the future is in consciousness. Powerful answer. Thank you so much for being here today and for everything that you've shared. Honestly, I appreciate you and the connection and have loved this conversation. And right back at you. Thank you so much, Marcia. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.